Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. This month, February 2023, has a tragic significance of marking one year since Russia invaded Ukraine. After months of preparations, the Russian President Vladimir Putin has launched a major military operation against Ukraine. Speaking on national television, Mr Putin urged Ukrainian troops to lay down their arms and go home. He warned that anyone who interfered in Russia's actions would face retaliation. Loud explosions have been now heard in Ukraine in lots of different cities as the Russian assault has begun. Since the conflict began, as reported there by BBC News, there have been 7,000 reported civilian deaths, although the true number is thought to be much higher. The ongoing situation in Ukraine is bleak, and our thoughts are with the people who continue to be directly impacted by the fighting. But armed conflict aside, the consequences of the war have been far-reaching, with ripples being felt across the globe. We've all felt our finances being squeezed over the last year. Energy bills have risen to record levels, food prices are continuing to climb, and pretty much everything is costing far more than it used to. But how much is the war in Ukraine responsible for these rises? And perhaps more importantly, are there any signs of these costs falling anytime soon? I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, one year on, how has the war in Ukraine impacted our household bills? Investigates is brought to you by the UK's consumer champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. We've got new episodes out every fortnight, diving deeper into the issues that matter. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, give us a shout on social at Witch UK or send us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up, I get the facts on how much grocery prices have shot up. I think everybody that goes supermarket shopping will be aware of how much things are going up. So our inflation tracker shows that overall food and drink inflation is at 15%. That's an average. It masks really big differences in some products. Then, of course, there's energy bills. What we have seen throughout 2022 was continuous rises in household energy bills. So if there hadn't been a government intervention at this point, energy bills would be about three times this winter what they were 
at this time last winter. And that is really driven by this massive disruption that has been driven by the Ukraine war. But could some hope be on the horizon? The wholesale price of electricity and gas has fallen from the highest we've seen, particularly pre-Christmas, so the kind of October, November, December time. I suppose what's important to keep in mind at the moment is that we have seen a decrease. The prices are still substantially higher than prices over the last decade or so. I want to make this really clear. This episode is going to look at what impact the war in Ukraine has had on our household bills. But we are in no way likening the cost of living issues that we're talking about to the toll being felt by the people on the front line who've lost loved ones or had to flee. We're approaching this from the privileged position of UK consumers, and we've got a host of experts taking part to give their insights. Before we dive in, let's go back to February 2022, just before the war started. I'm going to invite producer Rob on here. Rob, you've been looking at the numbers, haven't you? What have you found? Yeah, thanks, Grace. So February 2022 really seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? We've had four chancellors in that time and three prime ministers for one. It's been pretty unique. Yeah, it definitely has. That's one way of putting it. So I've been poring over the data, looking through some of the articles from a year ago. Here's some of the headlines from back then. So this is just before the war. There's a lot of coverage of what was the late Queen's Platinum Jubilee message, where she confirmed that Camilla would be given the title of Queen should Charles become King. There was also, of course, at the time, talk of Partygate. Remember that? When Boris Johnson is still Prime Minister at this point. And the independent newspaper even led with Scotland's victory over England in the Six Nations on their front page. Well, so there's far fewer headlines than around inflation or energy bills like we've seen recently. Yeah, not a huge amount. But if we look at the figures, in February 2022, the Office for National Statistics showed that the Consumer Prices Index, or the CPI, had risen by 6.2% in the 12 months to February 2022, up from 5.5% in January. The Bank of England had also released a statement that same month in which they said that they expected inflation to rise to around 7% in the spring and then start falling back again. Mm. And they added that inflation was above their 2% target as a result of higher energy prices. So they are still very much on our radar. Mm. Well, thanks, Rob. I mean, that Bank of England statement, it's almost laughable in a weird way now, isn't it? Because, of course, inflation didn't stop at 7%. At the time of this recording, it's sitting at 10.5%. And that's actually down from a peak of 11.1% back in October. So yes, things are worse for our finances than experts have predicted before the war in Ukraine started. Those global events caused wholesale gas prices to immediately spike on the wholesale market. So what we have seen throughout 2022 was continuous rises in household energy bills. So If there hadn't been a government intervention at this point, energy bills would be about three times this winter what they were at this time last winter. And that is really driven by this massive disruption that has been driven by the Ukraine war. This is Emily Fry. She's an economist at the think tank, the Resolution Foundation. We're starting with energy bills because it's these bills that have risen the most. 2022 saw record prices. 
According to government data, the cost of electricity in the UK rose by 65.4% and gas prices by 128.9% in the 12 months to December. So a lot of the cause of these higher energy bills is the fact we are a net importer of energy and we have been for a really long time. We import about a billion pounds worth of fuels every year and that does mean that we are much more likely to be poorer when there is this global shock. So there definitely is a really key global factor there. Emily hits the nail on the head here because the UK imports half of all its gas. In 2021, imports of gas, oil and coal from Russia to the UK were worth a combined total of £4.5 billion. But let's put that into perspective because, despite that figure, only 4% of our gas actually came from Russia. The rest came from Nordic countries like Norway. But after a very cold winter in 2022, lots of countries held on to their supplies for their own people. So there was less to go round. And so prices increased. In the short term, we're utilising this liquefied natural gas much more. And that's gas that can effectively be put in on shipping containers and transported globally. In the UK, we have regasification ports. So we've got the capability of taking this liquefied natural gas or LNG and using it through our energy system and sending it through into Europe as well. So that's a kind of short term change. Uh, Longer term, of course, is a much greater focus on increasing renewable energy uh, in Britain in particular. So there'll be lots of plans in place to upscale the amount of renewables we have. But of course, that will take a while for it to come through. Anna Moss is an expert at Cornwall Insight, an energy consultancy based here in the UK. And there's virtually nothing about the state of the energy market that she doesn't know. She makes the point that until we increase the amount of energy that we get from renewable sources, we'll be perpetually vulnerable to global events like this that we can't control. UK households are paying more than ever for their energy, even with the government's energy price guarantee. So much so that warm hubs have been set up around the country for people to go to to save turning on their own heating. But despite the eye-watering costs, this funding's due to end in April for most people, with a shift in government policy. Policy is really important in how households experience that global shock, and in particular, how the policy has been implemented on energy bills, for example, means that for this winter, we've seen everyone across the income spectrum be protected in terms of the additional cap, the energy price guarantee on our energy bills, But next year, it looks like the government is doing a lot more targeted support. So the support next year for this cost of living crisis is going to be a lot less generous, although it is much more targeted at people who receive benefits, which is really important to make sure that those who are really feeling the edges of the cost of living crisis and feeling the much more extreme and dangerous ends of the cost of living crisis are a bit more protected. But at the same time, This is kind of on the back of 12 years of stagnating incomes. There's been no real income growth for over a decade now and since the financial crisis, essentially. We're stuck between a rock and a hard place because that £400 grant that was given to every household last year is expected to cost the economy upwards of £12 billion. But there is potentially some positive news. The wholesale price of electricity and gas has fallen 
from the highs we've seen, particularly pre-Christmas, so the kind of October, November, December time, I suppose what's important to keep in mind at the moment is that we have seen a decrease. The prices are still substantially higher than prices over the last decade or so. So for context, the price for short-term power at the moment, that was often more than £300 a megawatt hour in December. At the moment, it's just over £100 a megawatt hour, so quite a big decrease. But if we compared that to, say, 2019, it'd be more like £40 a megawatt hour. So it's still fairly high right now. So why are prices falling? After all, the war isn't showing any signs of stopping. We had higher temperatures at the start of winter, which reduced demand in the UK. And that meant we didn't use the gas we have held in storage that we expected to. And there's also been higher temperatures in Europe, which again has reduced demand. Again, here's more evidence of just how sensitive our energy bills are to external factors. If the current market trends continued, we would expect to see some of the reductions in the wholesale price factored in around July time. So we could potentially see lower prices then. Uh, Of course, that's not to say that we wouldn't see uh, lower tariffs being launched sooner than that. But in terms of the variable price most consumers pay, we could see a decrease around then. Our current predictions are showing that the actual price of energy would fall below the energy price guarantee around July time. And so it might be that we see the default tariff cap coming back into play, um, where the, the energy price guarantee has protected us from those really volatile prices through the winter period. We can only hope that things do improve, and soon. But as we know, energy bills are only part of the cost of living story. Here's Emily Fry from the Resolution Foundation again. It's not just energy. One of the key areas that we've seen ongoing increases and and an area that we're concerned about at the Resolution Foundation is food prices, which have increased substantially since last year. So we're still seeing rises in food prices. Inflation in food is still rising and hasn't, unlike energy, started to level off. Rising food prices have been a particular area of concern for us here at Witch. I caught up with Ellie Simmons about it in our offices. You might remember her from our previous episodes, including the one where we visited that massive Amazon warehouse before Black Friday. She's a senior writer and researcher, and food price research happens to be her bread and butter, pun intended. I think everybody that goes supermarket shopping will be aware of how much things are going up. So our inflation tracker shows that overall food and drink inflation is at 15%. That's an average. It masks really big differences in some products. So when you look at different product categories, butters and spreads was the highest inflating category, and that went up almost 30%. It was 29.4% year on year for butters and spreads. We also found other dairy products going up an awful lot. So milk was second after butters and spreads. That went up 26%. And then cheese at 22%. So those dairy items really increasing dramatically in price year on year. But again, how much are these price hikes down to the war in Ukraine? Because there are other factors at play here, like the supply chain issues that came about during the pandemic. 
Yeah, the conflict plays quite a big role in it. I mean, I think prices were rising already before the Ukraine conflict happened. But I think it's really sparked a dramatic increase in prices with groceries. And that's because Ukraine and Russia were massive grain exporters. And so that's had a huge effect. And it's not just in products that use grain, but grain is also used for animal feed, for example. So there's other products like meat, butters and spreads, milk and cheese, which obviously come from animals and don't directly use grain, but that grain is used to feed those animals. Things like butters and spreads, milk and cheese, they all take a lot of energy to produce. And so the cost of energy then has a big filter down effect through these products. It's all really part of the same picture, with one factor influencing another. I'll have more on these rising prices, which are soon to include our broadband as well. Plus, I'll show you what we're doing here at Witch to try and help tackle the problems after this. Hello, I'm Lucia, the host of the Witch Money podcast. Each week, we're here with the very best advice to help you through the cost of living crisis and make your money go further. With new episodes out every Friday, we cover everything from energy bills to pensions and property to help you get the best deals and ensure you're not getting ripped off. Just search Witch Money wherever you get your podcasts. week on Witch Investigates, I'm asking how the war in Ukraine has impacted our household bills here in the UK. We've already looked at energy bills, which are mercifully showing signs of reducing in price. And I'm currently catching up with Witch senior researcher and writer Ellie Simmons on the impact of the conflict on our weekly food shop. Budget ranges in supermarkets, the, the very cheapest of the cheap products, they've gone up an enormous 20%. And that compares with what perhaps we would often think of as more expensive items, those premium own label items. They're up 12.6%. So that's quite a lot less than budget items. And branded items, which are often more expensive in absolute terms, I think it goes to show that inflation can really hit the poorest households the most. So what is which doing about it? Well, over the last few weeks, we've released our food inflation tracker to help you keep across exactly which items are going up in price and to give a fuller picture on what's happening at supermarkets. The food inflation tracker is an enormous piece of work that we've done, and I think it's a really innovative tool that we've launched. We look at tens of thousands of grocery products across eight different supermarkets year on year and we take daily prices and we analyse them and really look at how much things have gone up year on year and it's the only kind of public available tracker of its kind looking at supermarket food and drink and it really shows what shoppers are, are paying on the shelves and at the checkouts. I'll put a link to this tracker in the show notes of today's episode. It's a really important tool that can help give you a good idea of which products you might want to avoid, and also which supermarkets are hiking up their prices the most. And there's something else. We've launched a really important campaign. It's called the Affordable Food for All campaign. And it's because we know that there's millions of families out there who are skipping meals just to survive this cost of living crisis. And we at which think it's really important that everybody is able to access affordable food close to their home. 
we're calling on supermarkets to commit to clear pricing so that shoppers can really see what the best value is when they're in the supermarket aisles. We also want to see better access to budget ranges so that budget range food is available across stores and particularly in the areas of the country where people need them the most. And we also want to see more offers, more promotions for those who need them the most targeted, you know, at the people that really need them. So we've got this campaign going. We've got a petition. So if you want to see your supermarket take action, do sign our petition. It's online. It's really important to try to get supermarkets to take action on this. Again, I'll put a link to the campaign in the description of today's episode. So. To get our bearings again, it's obvious that the war in Ukraine has impacted our bills. Energy and food prices have risen by more than they were expected to. But they were all still climbing before the conflict began, and our economy has been scraping the barrel to balance things out. We've also seen other household bills starting to rise. So in response to some of the inflationary shock that we've seen from both the global side, but also in terms of kind of the Bank of England wanting to make sure that this inflation doesn't become embedded, we don't continue to see a wage price spiral. It means that the Bank of England has responded with some bank rate rises. And so those bank rate rises are being passed along to those who have debts, For example, the largest debt that people often have is a mortgage. So for those mortgages, they're expected to see prices rise for mortgages over the next year or so as those interest rate rises kind of get passed through. And that also could affect renters as well, who have been a bit more delayed in terms of the rises in rents. But that could also be passed through in terms of some of the rate rises from the mortgages if a landlord, for example, has a mortgage. For a more thorough analysis of what the base rate rises mean for us on an individual level, I highly recommend checking out our money podcast. Just search which money wherever you're listening. But for our episode, I asked Emily from the Resolution Foundation to break it down for us. So in terms of the bank rate rises that the Bank of England has been implementing so far, they have looked to reduce inflation. And the reason that that's going to bring down inflation is because as you increase the interest rates, it means that people in the UK are incentivized to save their money in bank accounts where they can receive those higher interest rates as opposed to spending that money. So if people, for example, were thinking about spending money on a a large one-off purchase using debt with increased rates, that means they're much less likely to want to borrow that money pay those higher rates to buy that one-off purchase. So it cools the economy and it means that people are less likely to spend, which can in turn reduce the amount of inflation. Do you know, I'm having one of those moments where suddenly, for a fleeting moment, I think I might actually understand an economic concept, but I'm sure that will be short-lived. Now, there is some positive news from the Bank of England's recent forecasts. They want inflation to sit at around 2% so that the economy can maintain growth. And they do actually expect inflation to fall below that by next year. So good news for anyone who's paying off mortgages. But there is one more bill that looks set to rise. It's time to talk about broadband. 
Since so many of us started working from home on a regular basis, it's become more important than ever to have the right supplier. A good upload and download speed makes a world of difference, including when me and Rob are trying to record this podcast. But it looks like we're going to be paying a lot more for our broadband soon. Many broadband firms, such as BT, EE, Plusnet, Shell, Energy Broadband and TalkTalk, raise prices every April and they do this in line with the Consumer Price Index. Now, CPI is a measure of inflation and they use the CPI figure for December, which is published in January. December's inflation was 10.5%. And what they do is they will raise your contract by this and they will add extra on top. So many of those that I just mentioned would do it by an additional 3 to 3.9%. So we've got inflation figure and extra, and that will kick in from the end of March slash beginning of April if you're with one of those providers affected. This is Grace Witherden from our money team here at Witch. And you heard that right. Our bills could be going up by more than 14% as early as next month. So this year, many customers will be facing mid-contract price hikes of more than 14%. Now, these price rises are actually factored into your contract from the start. and They happen every year. It should be said that not all suppliers use the CPI index for price rises. For example, Now, which is part of Sky, are one of the firms that use a different and lower figure. Before we started researching for this episode, I had no idea this was a thing, to be honest with you. It kind of came out of the blue. And that's something I put to Grace because I don't think I'm the only one. I don't think enough people know about this. I don't think people think it applies to broadband because inflation hasn't been high. Obviously, like during the pandemic, it wasn't an issue. So maybe more people are only realising now because they're going to face such big hikes. The worst thing is, there's not much we can do about this. It's likely that these rises are baked into our contracts, hidden away in the small print. These price rises are part of your contract, so obviously if you leave your contract, you'll have no choice but to pay an exit fee. These exit fees are pretty high. BT's exit fee is £219 for pence. So obviously you don't want to be paying the exit fee. Now it might be that you're out of contract, but you've been rolled onto a tariff without realising. So you might be in a position where you had a one year contract, it ended, you never actually went into another fixed contract. In which case you can actually leave and find a better deal. If you wish to stay, you could try haggling with your provider. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that you'll probably struggle to pay this higher bill, there may well be financial help that you can access, so don't suffer in silence. Broadband's now regarded in many circles as a utility bill, since the internet is so essential to homes and businesses. If you or someone you know is worried about broadband or even pay TV or mobile phone bills, it's worth a chat to the provider, even if you or they are in a fixed term contract. This is because in July last year, all the major providers promised the government they'd work harder to support customers struggling with bills. Providers can arrange payment plans and deferrals or a more affordable deal. It could also be worth looking into social tariffs, which are special discounted deals available for low income customers who receive certain benefits like pension credit or universal credit. Just so you know, like with food price rises, which isn't taking the broadband situation lying down. 
Now, which is calling on telecoms firms to let customers leave without penalty if prices are hiked mid-contract? As a new research shows that many broadband customers are trapped in a lose-lose situation where either they have to accept the mid-contract price increase or pay exit fees of over £200. You can keep an eye on the Witch website and our social channels to see how we get on here. As we come to the end of today's episode, for once, it feels like an open and closed investigation. Our bills have been rising, and the Ukraine conflict has caused them to rise more sharply and suddenly than they might have done otherwise. But there have been other factors at play. The icy winter of 2021 leading into early 2022, the supply chain issues and the economy struggling to recover after the pandemic all play a part. And as we've heard, our ability to change our fate is limited. But as Anna Moss from Cornwall Insight mentioned earlier, we might soon see energy bills fall below the price cap, perhaps bringing a more competitive default tariff from the few suppliers who remain on the market. As for food, it's time to be thrifty. So I think the really best tip, to be honest, to try to counter all of this is to shop around. I think it sounds perhaps obvious, but where you do your grocery shopping can make a massive difference. We do our cheapest supermarket of the month analysis every month and repeatedly Aldi and Lidl come out as the cheapest by quite a significant margin. And so it really pays to shop at those two supermarkets and to switch from some of the more expensive providers. And Ellie had one more thing to add. I think joining loyalty schemes is another good one and also being aware of supermarket promotions We did a big data analysis on supermarket promotions and we found prices can fluctuate within weeks by up to 284%. So if you're able, and it's not for everybody because you need the kind of storage space and the ability to do it, but if you're able to stock up on stuff that you would buy anyway when it's cheapest, then do do that. And it works particularly well for big brands. That's really where you get the big savings. If you can stock up, do because it will save you a lot of money. Emily from the Resolution Foundation added this as well. There are a substantial number of people who are eligible for benefits and don't necessarily have them. There is a very important role for kind of education schemes and maybe government advice to make sure that people who are eligible for benefits are receiving them. I want to finish this week's episode by putting things into perspective once again. Yes, increased costs are difficult, of course. But luckily for us, we have access to electricity and supermarkets and broadband, unlike a lot of people in Ukraine. We hope 2023 brings an end to the conflict. Thanks for listening to today's show. We love it when listeners get in touch with feedback. So do let us know how you're finding the podcast and whether there's anything you'd like us to cover. If you want more free advice to help you with the cost of living, head to witch.co.uk forward slash cost of living. We've also got an affordable food for all petition, which is part of the campaign I mentioned earlier, that you can sign at witch.co.uk forward slash affordable dash food. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer, and our executive producer is Angus Farker. A special thanks this week to Ellie Simmons, Grace Witherden and our campaigns team here at Witch. 